Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 102, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. Took the week off for the 4th of July. Hopefully everybody gets to spend some time with their family, enjoy the weather. If there was nice weather, I feel like it's just been raining on the East Coast for months on end at this point. Let's throw it over. Collins, you had a sick Instagram post today, another one yesterday, more action shots from the internship. How's that going? It's been good. It's been tiring. I'm working nearly 70 hours a week right now. Um, Tournament season, we have people all over the place. We've got people out product testing at summer camps and with college guys. I'm out doing brand activations on the weekends at women's lacrosse tournaments and overseeing all that. A lot of trust to be put on an intern, to say the least. I spent the past five days in Delaware. Really, really cool to see how a legacy brand operates. It's safe to say from a social media perspective and just marketing in general, we're not far off, which is, uh, I think, pretty sick so kind of looking forward for this the end of this weekend i'm at a local tournament this weekend but that'll be the last one for the rest of the summer which is nice good stuff good stuff herm congratulations big win for your volleyball team the other night didn't know if that day was ever going to come this summer um other i mean talk walk us through the volleyball win how was your week we have seen a tremendous amount of improvement over the course of this summer season for set the hell up we were winless going into this week and by winless i mean we hadn't even won a set team is composed of some of the comets some ucfc players and myself this past game we really really hit our stride the whole way through our goal was just to win one set on the season we finally did that in the third set we just kept our heads down comes down to 1920 our serve after a little bit of a rally we put it right on the back line look at the ref she calls it in we kind of go nuts have a couple of drinks to celebrate. Big, big win for the squad. Other than that, made the trip down to Westchester just to see my family and celebrate a graduation party for Charlie Nadell. Very, very big congratulations to him. It was awesome to be with him and family for this weekend and to see Alex's girlfriend, Kenzie, for the first time in person. So very special time. Love it. Love it. Was was always good when you get to, to break up the summer and go home and visit the fam. Fitzy, how you staying busy? the usual boys i'm like i said the off season i'm just a, a boring guy i was psyched for this episode i i got you can't see it right now but i had this sick little led sonic the hedgehog sign i put up there and it's so bright you guys can't even see it i'm so disappointed yeah i was i was watching the all-star game for the mlb watched the home run derby yesterday so i got the lee may bobblehead out tonight not much going on just lifting and the usual grind i watched the first couple innings of the all-star game tonight you know what i, I might this might be a boomer take but i I just loved when they wore their regular jerseys in the all-star game i didn't mind when they started tweaking with the hats i think it was like minnesota was the first year where they everybody had the hats that looked like the old retro twins helmets i didn't mind that i like that it's just an exhibition now i think deciding home field advantage was maybe a little too much i feel like all-star games are tough in this day and age nobody wants to get hurt and everything but i think baseball still got a good one they had Avaldi mic'd up while he was pitching which was pretty crazy i felt bad for him i feel like he, he couldn't find the zone on his first batter and he's literally he was having a conversation the coolest part was they had uh i forget who it is the rookie on the diamondbacks but he came up to the plate to face Evaldi and he was also mic'd up so they were both just like dead silent because earlier you had like Evaldi talking about like which pitch he was going to throw next it was just funny having that dynamic on the screen but it was good to watch that good to go home see the fam worked remote last week from New Hampshire 
got to spend some time with friends and family, do a lot of relaxation. Haven't really been feeling well. I've been battling a cold all summer, starting to get over it. So that was nice to just get some fresh air. Ran four miles on the 4th of July, which was really good. Did the four on the 4th race in Bridgeton, Maine with my dad. Did some more pickleball. We're getting really into pickleball. Feet are sore from my performance on Sunday. Got my ass kicked by some, you know, 50 plus aged people in Conway, New Hampshire, which was is always good for the ego. It was really good. Also good to be back in New York, moving into a new office this week. That's why we, we did the remote week. So we got some very exciting things planned, some really good interviews coming up the rest of the summer and some exciting plans for the fall. I'm just pumped because we're seeing all these schedule releases. Like it's something during the off season. We talked about it. You get into those dog days and it's like, what, what are we going to post tomorrow? What is there? And, and we got plenty of content out of today with teams releasing their schedules. So before we get to schedule talk, though, as soon as we hung up on episode 101, we finished recording and we saw breaking news on Twitter and crazy week. We we pulled off. Herm did a great job with the Harks interview, but we pulled that off and it was kind of a late delay. So we just didn't really have the time to hop back on and talk about the breaking news. So it's coming to you a little late. But Tennessee State announced they will be the first HBCU to introduce hockey. Wanted to give stick taps. Herm, you were going back and forth with the assistant AD, so I'll turn it over to you, but he did a phenomenal job of communicating with us all the way through. I apologize if I butcher the last name, but I believe it's Nick Guerrero, who's the assistant AD for communications and creative content. Yeah, he was just phenomenal uh, in communicating with us the whole way through for for hours into the night once that news dropped. We kind of bonded over shared experiences with Playland Ice Rink in in Rock. New York. He worked for uh, the Manhattanville Valiants. So that was one of the places where I learned to skate. I saw that on his LinkedIn and I was like, go Valiants. And, and we kind of talked about that for a while. It was fun because like we sat here, Fitz was here. Fitz rarely gets in on the creative action, but we were like, it's 1130 at night. Do we post about this? Looking back on it the next day, legitimately every hockey account in the world posted about it. You had ESPN, you had Bleacher Report, everything college hockey, Chicklets. If you were covering hockey, you were posting about it. So we just went ahead. We threw up a post that I mean, very close to midnight that night and then had one up in the morning. And then by afternoon, it was officially official. Tennessee State announced that the school is adding a men's hockey program with the intention of beginning play during the 2024-25 season. The men's team will initially operate as a non-varsity club level program with aspirations of eventually adding women's non-varsity club hockey and elevating both programs to the NCAA Division One status. The announcement was made at Bridgestone Arena, home of the NHL's Nashville Predators, coinciding with the 2023 NHL draft. They also had the NHL awards in Nashville. So pretty much the perfect storm to make this announcement. I'm so, I, I feel like we we bought we dropped the ball on not seeing this coming ahead of time. There were some articles in April that this announcement might be coming at the draft. And I feel like nobody in the hockey world really touched on that and this is something that's been in the works for a very long time what was it two or three years ago that they announced i can't remember if it was pre or post covid that they were going to start exploring adding hockey at tennessee state i don't blame anybody for not picking it up because if you look at where the sources were coming from it's all like nashville local news unless you guys are really big into what's going on in nashville i mean i i don't blame you but it's, it is interesting that nobody picked it up for for quite a long time i'd imagine it just kind of got buried in the mid-covid and post-covid news cycle 
honestly. Like there, there's been so much that's happened in the hockey world. To your point, Collins, it definitely was easy for it to fly under the radar, especially with nothing concrete. So many of these programs will make like these grand sweeping gestures of like, oh, we're going to go D1. Like think about Illinois and their entire process through any of these press conferences, they could have been ready to pull the trigger and had arena funding or anything like that. Sometimes you kind of get jerked around as a hockey fan. It was just great to actually see one of these plans actually come to fruition. Speaking of coming to fruition, the athletic department at TSU is going to oversee the hockey program. They're in the early process of hiring a director of club hockey operations who's going to be responsible for the fundraising, corporate partnerships, recruiting student athletes, and managing the day-to-day operations for the team. This is a significant milestone for Tennessee State University and the broader historically black college university community. By breaking barriers and creating fresh opportunities, TSU Hockey aims to establish a lasting legacy of inclusion, excellence, and athletic accomplishments. The news is met with universal acclaim for the hockey community, a massive W, which in this day and age is hard to find something where everybody can agree on. It was really cool to see everybody come together on this. Pretty much solidifies that we will be making a trip to Nashville at some point to go check this out. Because like we like we talked about on Wednesday night when the news broke, like, is this non varsity college hockey news is this college hockey news is this just turns out it was hockey news for everybody and we don't generally cover stuff that's being covered by everybody so that was really cool to be in on the action and this whole thing but actually Herm I'll I'll let you take this one because this was a DM that we got so I'll turn it over to you yeah we just got a quote from Dayla Spencer tonight who said as a black female hockey player from Nashville it's very exciting to hear that TSU is implementing a club hockey program especially at a university with such a groundbreaking history in athletics I'm so excited to see the direction that hockey takes within the black community. Yeah, she mentioned TSU having a proud tradition of athletics. They also have a very proud tradition when it comes to the band. We I don't know if you, you guys saw, well, you guys definitely saw, but the people listening saw, but we commissioned friend of the pod, Tim Kalinowski, to help us with a, a reel slash TikTok, playing into the fact that the TSU band, the aristocrat of bands, is one of the, I think, more famous HBCU bands. So the imagery of, you know, college hockey, people love when the band is there. I can only imagine what it's going to be like um, when the Tigers hit the ice in 2024, but I would fully expect the band to be there and for that place to be rocking in Nashville. One thing I also wanted to mention was that on night one of TSU having their account, they had four people following a real murderer's row. The TSU Tigers athletic department, Oprah, who is a very, very proud TSU graduate, the NHL, and the Hockey House Pod. And if anyone's familiar of that meme of the three dragons, two of them kind of all serious face, and then the third one with its tongue sticking out of its mouth, we kind of felt like the one with its tongue sticking out of the mouth in that list. We were really proud to be there nonetheless. I thought you were going to go in a different direction there. I was thinking the Mount Rushmore of Instagram accounts. It's NHL, Oprah, Hockey House, TSU. Really exciting stuff for the hockey community and even more exciting hockey stuff. I I put this on the lead as the notes, completely forgetting about all the TSU stuff that happened right after we got done recording. But in any given week, this would have been the lead. Grand Valley State announced that their ACHA Division I team is going to play an exhibition against NCAA Division I opponent Ferris State. The game will be played on Friday, October 20th at Ferris State's, I'm going to butcher this, Ferris State's Ewig, Ewigleben? Fair State's 
Owiglobin Ice Arena. There's just no way I'm saying that right. And someone from Michigan is going to have to tell me how to say that. Ferris State is going to be the host team of this one. If you're not familiar with Ferris State, they actually play an arena that looks just like Boss, where URI plays in, in Kingston, Rhode Island. It's got the uh, C shape. Like there's no bleachers on one side, and then you got bleachers behind the net, and then on one side throughout the neutral zone. So it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I made the connection right away that it, it, they're playing it kind of like a similar ACHA venue. We always love when we get ACHA versus NCAA matchups. Wanted to make note, this is not a preseason game. The last couple times we've seen these matchups, it's Denver playing UNLV, Denver playing Lindenwood, and it happens in the preseason. It's kind of a tune-up game for these NCAA teams to you know play a scrimmage against an ACHA team who's had a couple games underneath their belt. But the Bulldogs are actually going to open up their season against Miami with a weekend series. The following weekend, they're going to face off with two matchups against Western Michigan. And then the Lakers will come to town. I'm assuming Fair State is using this as a way to stay active as an early bye week. You know, the season starts two weekends of games and then have an off week. Maybe they want a, a chance to see some of the younger players early on in the season. So they gave the Lakers a call and should be an exciting hockey game. If we're looking at the uh, the head-to-head here, Ferris State went 14-19-4 last season. They swept Bowling Green at Bowling Green before losing to Minnesota State 7-2 in the CCHA semifinals. GVSU, on the other hand, finished 33-7-1, defeating Davenport 2-1 in the first round of the GLCHL playoffs. They lost to 8-1 to Calvin in the semifinals, but the Lakers bounced back. They defeated University at Buffalo 8-3 to in the opening round of the national tournament before falling to UNLV in overtime of the quarterfinals in the ACHA National Championships. They finished the year ranked 13th in the country. Did not have this one on our radar today. Fitzy, how cool is it looking back on the ACHA and seeing these kind of matchups pop up? It's awesome. I was just going to say we used to play Grand Valley State at the uh, Division II ACHA level, and um, they would beat the brakes off us all the time. They had some massive guys on that team. You know, it's Michigan hockey. It's going to be good, especially seeing like at a, a pro level where it's starting, starting the stigma starting to turn. Just it's trickling all the way down. So it's what, what we set out to do, and we're seeing more and more of it each season. Yeah, Collins, what's your take on this? Of all the teams that I thought would be yeah, last to bite the bullet on playing ACHA teams. I 100% thought that the Michigan teams, your fair states would not want to play ACHA teams. But here we are. I think this is amazing. In the eyes of, you know, the, that one old hockey grump who, you know, is like, oh, hockey shouldn't be going to the South, you know, bring back the Bowling Greens and Bemidji States of the world, like put funding into those teams. Like that's where hockey's going to grow. It's not going to grow. It is so cool to see this. And this might also have to be on the list uh, of games we go watch because that seems like just such, such a good, good time to go see. I feel like David Carl, the head coach at Denver deserves a lot of credit for this because you know, they're going to the frozen four every year and they were scrimmaging ACHA teams and, and, and you know, showing that it's good hockey. Granted, they, they, they beat the wheels off Lindenwood. They beat the wheels off UNLV. But even then to have one of the best coaches in college hockey welcome in an ACHA team to his barn and kind of like put it out there like, hey, there's no excuse for nobody else to be doing this. So I think he deserves a lot of credit in this. We've got 
some other really cool matchups, but I did want to point out Grand Valley State has a pretty good recruiting class. I know we gave the Bobcats credit for the guys that they have coming in, but I with the commitment posts that they are making, Grand Valley State has some good commitments. They also have some good transfers coming in from the NCAA ranks. Two Michigan guys are coming in. They got Parker Severson. He's from Northland College. They play at the Division Three level. He's a native of Saginaw. And then they got Alex Newton, who spent some time at UMass Dartmouth. He's from Kalamazoo. And he's coming home to Michigan to play in the ACHA. So that's got to be pretty cool coming back home to play at Grand Valley State. And now you're going to play at Ferris State, you know, a team that not too long ago was in the Frozen Four down in Tampa. So really cool for the game. Really cool for the ACHA. Excited for those guys. And we did get a question on Instagram that I thought was worth mentioning. Somebody pointed out, like, why are we seeing more ACHA teams playing NCAA Division One teams and not Division Three teams? We collectively as a group would love to see more ACHA Division One versus NCAA Division Three matchups because that's where I think there's a lot of parity. Like the bottom teams in Division Three would have a tough time against some of the top teams in ACHA Men's Division One, and I honestly think that's why we don't see those matchups. I think there's I, the best response I had is the reason NCAA Division One teams don't do exhibition against Division Three teams is because that gap is closing every year. The best teams in Division Three are as good as the bottom teams in Division One, and it goes the same in the ACHA. Those Minot states those adrians those ohios are going to cause problems for ncaa division three teams and so like why why would you schedule an exhibition where you might be in trouble like that so i think there's still a good amount of comfort in knowing hey we're going to bring in an acha team in we should beat them pretty handily but it's going to be good competition at the end of the day so i think it's, it's really good to see that but it yeah it is a little weird that we're seeing more division one teams playing acha teams than people expect the division three teams to be up for the challenge Here's also a little bit of the logistical reason why why we're seeing this happen now. Prior to, to COVID, it was NCAA versus U Sports. You'd have your Guelphs, your McGills, your U Toronto's play these guys before the season. And then COVID happened. It was just logistically made much more sense for you know teams to play, as well as the fact that if a, a D3 team loses to an ACHA team. Doesn't look good. It's funny you bring up those Canada teams because that's where right where we're heading. We do have some ACHA versus Canada matchups. Ohio University announced today that the Bobcats will be taking on Brock University in the CIS in early September. The Bobcats will travel up to Brock University in St. Catharines, Ontario for a two-game series at the Seymour Hanna Center on September 15th and 16th. The Badgers, like to your point, Collins, they haven't traveled to the States for an exhibition since 2019 when they came down and they lost to RPI and then they tied Quinnipiac. COVID happens, borders shut down. Now we're seeing these exhibitions. So Ohio is actually going to go north of the border here. That'll be a great team bonding trip, I think, early on in the season. Go to Canada for some games. There's a connection with Leo and Brock University, as Herm will get to in a second here. This will be a, a really good matchup, and the Bobcats are going to have their hands full. As much as we talked about the Bobcats last episode with a really good recruiting class, last season Brock University finished 19-13, losing to the University of Windsor in the OUA quarterfinals. They've had some really strong seasons last year, and they have not finished below 500 since 2016. The Bobcats finished the season 30 wins, six losses, and two overtime losses, reaching the ACHA National Championship semifinal. But they're loaded up next year, and they finished the season as the number three team in the country. Herm, there's pretty much no surprise. If, if you're in the Ohio University hockey community, there's, there's no surprise that they're going up to Brock, right? 
No, not at all. Especially after Leo made that stop at the convention and the way that he's been recruiting out of Canada. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a couple of junior kids in the crowd who are, are definitely targets for the coming season after this one as a little proof of concept of uh, you get a little bit of taste of Athens up in the Great White North. As the the lone Canadian here in the Zencaster room, I feel like U Sports doesn't get enough credit. I think people look at U Sports hockey as kind of like this obscure league that nobody really talks about. But like there are some great teams in this league, man. Like I mentioned, like McGill, U Toronto, Guelph, Ryerson. Let me just pull up the the Brock Badgers roster here and like listen to these teams. Mississauga Steelheads, Niagara Ice Dogs, Sault Ste. Marie, Edmonton Oil Kings, Hamilton Bulldogs, London Knights, Peterborough Peets. It's the only league that allows major junior players. The hockey that is coming out of this league is insane to watch. And it's also sick that they can wear visors. Hopefully the Bob Dogs could rock visors up in Canada. I think that would be so sick since they're not playing NCAA rules. Somebody's got to get on like an NCAA D3 podcast and a U Sports podcast. Hockey house north of the border. This is really good hockey, and I highly suggest anybody go watch it. Well, one thing I, I didn't realize is the other day, Pitt announced their schedule, and they have a matchup with Simon Frazier. Simon Frazier, very well known for their club lacrosse team, right? Because they're in Canada, but they come down and they play in the MCLA, and they tear up the club lacrosse world. They are coming down. They don't play in the U sports. They don't. They play in like a Division Two of Canada's college hockey system. They play in the BCIHL, which was created around 2007 to again give guys coming out of juniors a place to go play college hockey in Canada. Simon Fraser, pretty good team, but they we have Pitt, who's hosting West Virginia in the backyard brawl on November 4th and 5th. Simon Fraser comes to town on Friday, November 3rd. I'm right away like, why is Simon Fraser traveling all the way to Pittsburgh to play one game against Pitt? Well, sure enough, I went to the Robert Morris Division I schedule. Bobby Moe coming back to the NCAA ranks next year for the 2023-24 season. Sure enough, Simon Fraser's taking on Robert Morris on Saturday, November 4th. So they're making a weekend trip out of it in the Three Rivers. Last season, Simon Fraser, they went 19-1 in the BCIHL before winning the championship for the second year in a row. They went undefeated in the 2022 season that was shortened. They actually played three exhibition games against Alaska Anchorage. Alaska Anchorage played three exhibition games against UNLV, so there's your ACHA connection. The Red Leafs, as they're nicknamed, they went 1-2 in exhibitions against Anchorage. They actually became the first team in BCIHL history to defeat an NCAA Division I opponent when they beat Alaska Anchorage 1-0 in September. Pitt, on the other hand, they went 22-8-3 last year. They won the Eschel regular season title and the playoff championship in their first year in the league. They defeated Niagara 8-2 to clinch the title. They did, however, lose to Liberty in the quarterfinals at the national tournament, but they finished the season ranked number 12. So I think this will be a really good matchup too. Anchorage took three from UNLV. They took two from Simon Frazier. So maybe we're, we're closing the gap here on college hockey, but that'll be an interesting matchup for sure. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but the national development team that travels and plays all the college teams, you know, sometimes they'll play a division three team and they'll lose and then they'll beat a division one team the next night. It'll be interesting to see how Simon Frazier does playing an ACHA team one night and a division one team the next night, but we'll keep our eyes on that one. All in all, really good for the ACHA. 
to see this kind of competition. Keeping it international, though, we've got more talking points to hit. Double IHF gold medal winner Poyu Hassau, otherwise known as Brody, he committed to San Diego State. The 20-year-old made his men's team debut at the 2023 IIHF World Championship going 3-0-0 with a save percentage of .959, and he led Chinese Taipei to a gold medal and earned their promotion to Division 2B in 2024. Four goalie commits for San Diego State. What did, uh, the... Um, the Aztecs, sorry, I, I'm usually really good with college mascots, and I, I stumbled there. But San Diego State, the Aztecs, bringing in four attendees. Tough year, their first year in ACHA Division One, so they're looking to beefing up in the crease this year. I mean, cool to see players from all over the world. USPHL goalie had some unreal saves down the stretch, and good to see him making a commitment to play in the ACHA. Herm, I want to go to this to you. We got a, a little women's hockey feature here this week. Yes, we got someone who swiped up on the story, Scotch Hockey, who said, how did the Sioux Cougars manage to go undefeated in the regular season and playoffs? And I kind of went and did a little bit of a deep dive on the Cougars. For those who are not familiar, they absolutely tore up women's two this season with their nation-leading forward core of Marie-Pierre Lacour, Emma Lee, and Jasmine Grolo, and had just this insane rookie goalie tandem of Cassidy Dobson, who in 14 games played had a .64 GAA with a 943 save percentage, and Emily Hansen, who in 12 games played a, 92, a .92 GAA and a 936 save percentage. All wins, by the way. Phenomenal coaching from Brianne Shunok. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name, uh, who said in her interview after the national championship win with Rasty McGibbon, credited a lot of her success to the full support from the college. She said that the game was being streamed on all of the TVs across campus and that the athletic department had just given her an ample amount of support to try and build an elite program. And such a newcomer within the world of women's too, they've absolutely torn up the scene. It was a couple of years ago, it was pre-pandemic that their men's team tore it up at nationals. They were division three. They won the national tournament in 2019. And I believe they made the jump to division two, had some struggles with you know, border and, and getting across as we've talked about plenty of times already on this episode. Very good things coming out of, of that program. We love talking about them because they're so freaking good. So we've got plenty more to get to. I want to turn it over because I think we, we, we've gone on long enough. Let's get to our interview. We got a really good interview this week. Two of the ladies from the Liberty Flames, the reigning national champions, we have the national championship game MVP joining the pod with her teammate Maddie Glenn and Haley Battles from Liberty Women's One. As always, this is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is you now have the ability to create a team store powered by Jog. Yes, Jog stands for Join Our Game. Optimex is teaming up with Jog Athletics to provide teams with awesome jerseys, awesome team apparel, all linked to your OptumX site. So if your team hasn't signed up for OptumX Sports, be sure to do so. Head to OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod and find out how your team can start making money with a jog team store. Recent additions, we got Niagara Women's D2, Washington, and Tennessee Hockey all building brand new websites for their team and starting fundraising as we speak. So without further ado, we'll turn it over to the ladies from the Liberty Flames. We got a pretty good intro for you guys. Like we don't normally go this in depth, but you guys have so many awards. Like we gotta we gotta pump your tires right from the start here. So 
We're pleased to be joined by two members of the Liberty University Hockey Dynasty two-time ACHA National Champion Junior Forward number 12, Haley Battles, and her teammate joining us, two-time ACHA National Champion, the reigning Division I Women's ACHA Championship MVP Junior Defenseman number 22, Maddie Glenn. Battles, Maddie, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're psyched to have you guys on. I feel like Liberty Hockey has won enough trophies. Like, I don't know how we did 100 episodes and didn't get any of you girls on. Yeah, it's really good to be here. Really exciting. Uh, you know, just great to be here. Walk us through the off season. Like, how, what are you guys up to right now? Are you back home? Are you spending the summer in Lynchburg? What does that look like, Maddie? I'll throw it over to you first. I'm back home in Saskatchewan right now. I'm just spending my summers working, training as well, in the mornings working out, and then skating when I can. Most of the time working, trying to save money. What about you, Battles? Yeah, I am actually here in Lynchburg, kind of doing the same thing, just working, skating. I do work at the rink at La Haye. We did just start tearing out the ice today, so that's kind of exciting, getting a fresh new sheet in there for the season. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media. I feel like Liberty spends the whole summer doing summer camps. Like, do they wait for the camps to finish and then they redo the ice? Uh, Yeah, we actually just had a couple camps, you know, some squirts out there. And then we had, obviously, the older groups, the uh, peewees and the midgets. And then we even had a girls group, the 12s, 14s, and 16s come out. We just finished those yesterday, turned the compressors off this morning and the chillers and hoping that's going to be a big puddle tomorrow. Get the bobcats out there and just tear it up. Walk us through how you each got to Liberty. Maddie, I'll start with you first because I feel like coming all the way from Saskatchewan and, and ending up at Liberty University, I can't imagine your 14-year-old self ever pictured you'd be doing that. What was hockey like for you growing up? How'd you get into the game and how did you find out about Liberty? I mean, coming from Saskatchewan, if you don't play hockey, I don't really know what else you do. So I kind of got into hockey really young. Like as soon as I could walk, I was out there skating and then kind of just fell in love with it, played minor hockey in Saskatoon here. And then at the age of 14, I moved to North Battleford to play midget AAA. So I played there for four years. During my third year, that was the year COVID kind of shut everything down in Canada. So we didn't get to play playoffs or anything. And I was kind of like really stressed out about the recruiting process and such. Then the next year, we played two exhibition games and two regular season games until COVID kind of came back and like told us our season wasn't going to happen at all. So that kind of initiated a lot of stress for me, not knowing where I was going. But I came into contact with Coach Lowe's around Christmas time of 2020. And so I committed in February of 2021 after a lot of like phone calls, FaceTimes, a lot of chats with current players or previous players, I guess now. So it was kind of weird for me because I didn't get to go down and visit because the border was closed. So I kind of just took a gamble, went out on a whim, trusting Coach Lowe's and the team and the culture they created and what I had seen from like various FaceTimes and phone calls. And I mean, I'm really happy with that decision. Did you envision coming down to the States to play college hockey or were you contemplating staying home? Actually, for basically my whole life until probably I was like 18, I had like complete commitment that I wanted to stay in Canada and I hadn't really thought about going to play in the States and such. I think also like COVID had something to do with that where like everybody got another year of eligibility. So then it became teams that had rosters of 30 such people. And so I kind of had to step out and I was like, okay, maybe coming down to the States is an option. I mean, being born in Saskatchewan, playing here, I never thought I was going to go to Virginia to play college hockey of all places in America, but. Awesome. And I feel like battles, like you probably had a, a 
lot different of a journey ending up at Liberty. Walk us through where you grew up playing and how you got into the game. Yeah, so for me, uh, I was watching the 2006 uh, Women's Olympics with my uh, parents and I just told my dad I was like hey I want to do that and you know my dad had played growing up so he was just like all right like let's go so he says within an hour I was already geared up and on the ice growing up he was my coach until about U14 U16 and then I eventually uh, ventured out and billeted in Milwaukee for a year and then two years in Detroit for Bell Tire and then eventually ended up at Liberty. Um, it is kind of funny. In 2017, I think, when I was playing with my dad, uh, we did actually play Liberty's team, and it was against Los. And I think the final score was like 13-1 or something. They absolutely killed us. But it was still a great experience. That was my first 20-minute period game. So definitely a lot. That's uh, That was my first contact with Liberty. And kind of since then, we had, you know, talked here and there and kind of kept in contact. There I was in 2021, 2022, there at Liberty. You mentioned going to Milwaukee and billeting. Were you playing youth hockey in Nashville? Um, I was actually living with my dad in uh, out of D.C. We were playing for a tier two program called the Northern Virginia Ice Dogs. They're not really a program anymore, but uh, I played for them and then eventually went up to Milwaukee and played there. Yeah. Everything happens with covid Liberty ends up being one of the few teams that gets to play in the ACHA. They win what is at this point their third national championship in a row coming off of the canceled national tournament. You guys come to campus in Lynchburg. What was the adjustment like, like heading to Liberty? Like what what were your first memories from campus? What are some things that stood out to you guys? For me, my first experience on campus was kind of like, I had to kind of realize and adapt to the school in general because I had never been there before. But everybody was super welcoming. And then kind of that app thing of going off them winning the previous nationals, coming in as a freshman, put like the standard into my eyes that like that's what we want to do and we want to continue that throughout the summer and that like knowing they won and like watching that nationals that happened in Minot, knowing that they were trying to win again just kind of put that hard work in myself and I assume most of the other freshmen's eyes battles anything for you that stood out for like those first weeks on campus did you guys get right on the ice we got on the ice fairly quickly I do remember getting in the ice we I do remember bagging pretty early on that wasn't too fun we adjusted pretty quickly with they had winning the national championship the year before we had known that we were coming in and filling some big shoes the summer before was a big prep summer but uh, we we knew that filling some big shoes and that we were going to just come in and see what we could do and see who we could play with. Now, I'm sure you guys are both more than aware that most teams in the ACHA don't have the facilities that Liberty has with, you know, club sports and La Haye. What was something early on that you were just like blown away by either the facilities at La Haye, the club sports treatment, the athletic training? What's something that stood out to you? To me, it definitely was like a combination of all of that. Like our facilities are amazing. Like the first time I stepped into our dressing room, it was like kind of unreal to me going from playing. I mean, I had a dressing room in AAA, but it was nothing compared to the one we have now. So that was unreal and then it's kind of like we get treated very very well we get treated like any other ncaa program at our school so that was like super nice and super cool to see and battles you you'd played there growing up so like what you i'm sure you knew what to expect but what was something that stood out 
For me, uh, it's definitely the weight room. Growing up, I didn't have access to a really good weight room. So to come in and just have access to all these different sorts of, you know, free weights and machines. You know, we do have a 1080 machine. Very, very blessed to have that. Our strength and conditioning coaching as well and all of our athletic training, everyone putting in a hand and just really making our program what it is. It's really great. On the flip side of that, Haley, like, what was something early on, what would we call it? Your welcome to the ACHA moment. Like what was something that like maybe went wrong? You went to a rink and you got a small dressing room. Like what was something that stood out to you that you're like, oh my gosh, like this is the ACHA. For me, it was definitely the road trips. Those were definitely different compared to youth. Just the aspect of, you know, two hours before a game and even prepping before that, you know, you're always ready waking up in the in the hotel rooms and just ready when you wake up. Maddie, what about you? What was your welcome to the ACHA moment? Oh, that's kind of a hard one. I don't really know because like growing up, I traveled anywhere from like an hour to like seven for games. So like I was kind of used to that. I do think it might have been the fact that like our closest team to us is like nine hours away. So it's kind of like nobody else really in our area has a team. I don't know, maybe that part. I also feel like I'm I'm trying I'm thinking about it like from a men's perspective like in men's division 1 there's so many teams and then you look at women's division 1 ACHA there's what like about 20 teams and I feel like all the facilities across the board are pretty good like I'm I'm looking at your schedule the teams you guys play like Indiana Tech, Lindenwood, Adrian, Minot like these are all teams that play in some of the best rinks around the league are there certain places that you guys prefer to play I know La Haye is really good but Maddie for you like what's your favorite place to play I think my favorite place to play actually was like Adrian because their fans are pretty aggressive, but it kind of just like puts more like fire into us to like prove them wrong and such. Were you guys getting heckled at all from the fans above the, the benches? Oh, absolutely. And the fans behind the goalies were just pounding on the glass. Love that. Battles, what about for you? What, what What's a place that you like to play? For me, I think it was our trip to ASU this past year. It was very warm. I think we went uh, towards the beginning of December. It's a different atmosphere, very dry. We went on went on the hike, did some team bonding. Their rink was, was very great. We did get to see Mullet. That was really cool. Just the atmosphere, walking walking around, you know, the college town of, of Tempe. Any NHL action when you guys went and visited Mullet? Uh, there was not. Not when we went there. Don't really know what was going on. It was kind of quiet. Felt like it was kind of quiet. What, what are some of your favorite memories from freshman year? Because looking back, you guys went 25-0, and 0, undefeated national champions in a year like that where everything almost seemingly goes right for you guys like what are some things that stand out to you from that season I think just like our road trips because they kind of brought a lot of our team together even more like well one road trip I remember distinctly from freshman year is when we were going to Adrian and we stopped to play a game in Miami Ohio first our bus driver took probably five wrong turns and we ended up getting to Miami, Ohio 15 minutes before warm-up started. So that was kind of like a memory that's like not necessarily like my favorite memory, but it kind of was like, okay, like we got to figure this out. And it was kind of just like something fun that we all had to go through, even though it wasn't really fun in the moment looking back on it it was kind of funny though i mean it, it looks like it worked out for you guys i just quickly pulled up the schedule it, it says you guys beat them 11 to 2 that night i think it was our very fast five minute game of spike ball before is spike ball good is that a big pregame routine for the girls every game wow so there's no there's no sewer there's no soccer going on 
sometimes we'll play sewer, but we're more spike ball with like, you got your distinct partners or your distinct group of three that you just like dominate with. We did uh, throw in some tips. We did get some tips in there uh, towards the end of this past season, but I think that's the most venture that we've gone from spike ball. What's tips? I've never heard of that. It's kind of like, you kind of stand in a circle like sewer, but you kind of just throw the ball in the air. And then when it comes to, you have to like jump in the air and throw it at the same time. All right. Now I feel like I've seen that before. I just didn't know it was called tips, but walk us through St. Louis. Like, what was that like for you guys? You're the defending national champions. It's your first time playing in the national tournament. What are some memories you had from that battles? From St. Louis, I just remember Centene was was a beautiful facility, just their stadium and then their other uh, one or two sheets. It was just, oh, their outdoor facility. We never got to skate on that, but that would have been really cool. I just remember even the, the road trip there, you know, we always left, it seemed like at midnight, just to drive through the night, get the trip over. We had, you know, girls doing backflips in the back. It was, it was fun. The team bonding aside, you know, in the hotels and at the restaurants, we saw like other girls other teammates stuff like that and it was just great uh for me it was kind of like that was only the second time I'd been to St. Louis was for nationals the first time was conferences a couple weeks prior I really enjoyed like getting to see everything but then also having that aspect of like being at that rink every day and getting dialed in and hopefully not forgetting our equipment manager oh the equipment manager got left at the hotel no the equipment manager accidentally got left at the rink but we weren't very far How, how far out not even like a minute like we just had it took a little while because we had to find a spot to turn around but she doesn't want to talk about it all right all right we'll, we'll, we'll move on but hey we do have to talk about the conference tournament though because battles i i saw you were the playoff mvp walk us through were you, you had the hot stick that weekend um you know it was it was just everyone you know everyone everyone was going everyone was feeding off of each other i think i might have been at the right spot at the right time but i just remember feeding off of my teammates energy i was my teammate or my uh, line mates at the time were Zasha and Brielle. And I just remember every time we would score a goal, you know, we would just, just celebrate as hard as we could just because we just loved each other so much and loved the game. It was just an unreal experience. The start of that answer was such a hockey player question. Like you just like immediately deflected it. Like, oh, like all the line mates, all the line mates love, love that you guys are selling hard too. I feel like that's an aspect of the game. Like we're trying our best to like promote women's ACHA just as we do with men's. And I feel like people think that that girls don't sell that often. What's your go-to selly? Honestly, I, I don't really have any. I feel like I fall before I, I can pull them off. That, that happens way too much. Uh, or I kind of combine three or four because I just get so excited and it, it's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong with that one. Winning the national championship at Centene, what was that like? I know we've, we've talked about the tournaments, but were there any like fond memories? Like at what point in the game were you guys like, you know what, I think we're really going to win this thing? I mean, I'm assuming the confidence in the locker room was was sky high considering there was a lot of veterans in the room who had been through that experience. Was it? Were you guys looking up to those girls be it as freshmen? Like what do we do in this situation? Yeah, definitely a lot of like, okay, let's see how the like vets and like the seniors in our team like react to these stressful situations and stuff like nationals and that unreal experience. Like my first ever national championship, let alone winning one. I don't know if I can necessarily distinguish a time in that game where we like knew that it was like kind of ours because we were all like, we all just kept going like the start of the third period, one of our veterans, Shannon Fair, had scored another goal. And I think that kind of like pumped us up even more. But I don't know. It was a pretty good 
let's fast forward. I mean, battles. Any any memories that you had like late in the game? I mean, you guys won the game five one. I, I picture there's like a point in the third period where like, all right, we can relax a little bit. Like you're already planning like the celebratory photo afterwards, what you're going to do with the trophy. I don't really think there was any uh, any big memories. I just remember kind of what Maddie said was just looking at our vets and kind of just, you know, playing off of them and seeing what they were doing, knowing that we were the freshmen and not so much sitting back because we knew that we could still put in just as much as they could. But knowing that it was it was it was anyone's game and that anything can happen at any moment. And so just that drive that everyone had to go until the final buzzer and just knowing that that was the final game of the season and just laying it all on the line was all we could do. One thing I do distinctly remember from the celebrations post game is Haley standing directly beside me when I was holding the trophy up because she thought I was going to drop it with a separated shoulder. (laughs) No faith in me to hold that thing up. I do. I do distinctly remember that. Yes, I was very scared because I was like, Maddie, Maddie, come on. You got to raise over your head. You're just like, Haley, Haley, I don't think I can. And I was like, all right, come on, let's just do it together. And it was the funniest picture ever. It was all lopsided. Didn't even get over her head. It didn't help that she's almost, you know, a head taller than me. But, you know, we did raise it and it was just a great memory. Was the dislocated shoulder from earlier in the season or did that happen at the national tournament? Um, It happened in the third period of that final game. No battles was you were lifting it with two good shoulders, but was it heavier than you expected? I've never touched it, so it was a little bit heavier than I expected. Um, but it is actually kind of funny. Earlier in the season, uh, we were kind of messing around at just the open ice. We were fighting, and I fell, and I actually dislocated my shoulder. And so for her to dislocate hers in the third period was was kind of funny. For me, but it, it wasn't at the time. But we we did laugh about it later and say how it was Carvo, but it was very funny. All right, so we talked about the, the trip to Arizona State a little bit. You guys had the unique opportunity to actually travel to Finland over break. When did you guys find out that that was happening? So we were supposed to go during uh, my freshman year, but COVID kind of threw that off. And we kind of found out, you know, right at the beginning of the season, knew that we weren't really going to have a Christmas break, but knew that it was going to be a great opportunity for everyone. Um, We did end up leaving the morning of the 26th. So everyone kind of had a Christmas. Uh, We flew out of D.C., flew into Germany and uh, landed in Helsinki, Finland. And I think that was probably 15 or so hours wasn't too bad. That was my first overseas trip. Very fun, but landed there and then drove about an hour into Hamanlina and spent spent about 10 days touring Finland, uh, doing a lot of trips, playing with a lot of the hockey teams over there and playing with their programs, playing one of their pro teams. It was just a, it was a great experience. Maddie, for you, like leaving Saskatoon, going all the way down to Lynchburg, Virginia to play college hockey. And now you're going from Lynchburg all the way out to Europe to play what was that experience like for you? Yeah, like it was definitely an unreal experience. I had never been overseas before. That was a new experience for me. And to get the, to do that with like, I mean, the other teammates that I have and the bonds that I have with them, I think that really boosted our team bonds as well. But it was super fun. I don't know how to explain it. Like it was just a unique experience to be able to like t- connect with these Finnish children who obviously like don't speak, they learn English in school but like some of them don't speak English at all and so we actually had this one little girl named Ada who was like our biggest fan ever she came to all of our games she was just like she even handed out player cards to us so we most of us all have a little Ada player card so 
it was just kind of unique and cool to see how like hockey can just connect you with people who don't even speak the same language as you. That's unbelievable. That's so cool. Do you still have the card? I do. It's actually pinned up on my whiteboard at school. Oh, that's unbelievable. So you guys go to Finland, you you come back from break. At this point, you guys have not lost a game in your college careers in the ACHA. You go down to McKendry, you lose in overtime. Like, what was it like being in the locker room for the first time? I mean, the fact that you're sophomores in your second semester, what was that like going into the room after that first career loss? Uh, I I remember it being... Being fairly quiet in the locker room after the game, I think everyone was was kind of wondering what coaches were gonna say. For uh, you know, eight eight or nine of us, that was our like you said first loss for in our ACHA career, so we had no idea what to expect when it when it came to our coaches. But you know, it was kind of just a learning. It was we took it as a very good learning learning point, and you know, just knew that it was just another game, and that we just had to move on, and just knew there was a next one and continue on. Yeah, and so you guys continue to have a strong second half. You make it to the conference tournament finals against Midland, and you go up against the goalie of the year, Hannah Stone from Midland. You guys had some good battles with her. They end up winning the conference championship. How how good of a goalie was she this year? Obviously, like she won goalie of the year. She stood on her head all year long, and it was we also just like got in our heads when we couldn't get past her right away. But yeah, she did play really good. It almost gives you like that chip on the shoulder, right? You lose the last game of, of the season before going into nationals. You're going for back to back titles. Have either of you guys ever played at the New England Sports Center in Marlboro with Nationals being in Boston? I mean, eight sheets of hockey under one roof battles. Like, what was your first impression when you walked into the building? Uh, For me, I had played there before, so that was nothing new for me. I had Nationals there, I believe, uh, two or three times when I was still growing up. For me, it, it was still, you know, the same old New England Sports Center, but it did, did feel like home, and it, it was very cool to to come back, even though it would have been cool to go somewhere else. But kind of just to have, you know, that at-home feeling, it kind of felt like I'd been there before. Yeah, it's like, where, where better to have the national championships? It feels like everybody's played a tournament there at some point in their careers. So you guys start off, it's interesting how Women's Division One works. It, it almost feels like the bottom you know, the 10 seed, the nine seed, the eight seed, the seven seed, like they play each other on the first two days. And then you guys get Miami in the first game. You have a one nothing lead. They end up tying it up late. Talk about like what was going on on the bench when they tied it late in the game was, was their composure was who was speaking up in the, on the bench? Like, what was that like, Maddie? Yeah. When they tied that, I think there kind of was like an, oh crap going along everybody in our team. I mean, obviously, we always look up to our captains. They stood there, stayed composed. Bradford, Truder, Fussy, all of them just were like, hey, guys, like, this game's not over. Like, let's get it together. Let's figure it out. And then, I mean, Rihanna Spanier put in that goal, and we were like, okay. Like, it kind of gave us that little breath. We're like, okay. Like, we know what we have to do. We know we have to work together, and we know – that there's multiple ways we can do it. We just had to figure it out. And so you guys end up winning three to one. Emily Willis was the goalie for Miami. She stood on her head in that third period and you guys just finally cracked the code. It wasn't the last challenge you guys would have. When I was walking around Marlboro and I saw that you guys were down four to one to Adrian, I was like, wow, like this is, this is going to be the end of the dynasty. You guys get one before the end of the second. It's four, two going to the locker room. What was the locker room like? The locker room was uh, was kind of quiet, but we just we just knew that there was still plenty of game left, and there was only two shots that we needed. 
we knew that there was plenty of girls on our team that could get it done and we had trust trust in everyone coaches would always come in and they were kind of lighting a fire up under us but we all we all kind of got it done I know battles is too humble to say it but that goal with seven seconds left in the second period was the absolute turning point of that game because if we wouldn't have got that goal that would have meant we needed at least three in that third period and I think it would have made us all stressed out a little too much to stay composed there was a point in that second period where one of our forwards Carly Glover got injured and had to leave the game going into the dressing room between that second and third period we were all like obviously praying that like she was going to be okay and such but she was also like okay guys like don't worry about me like you need to get this done like and so all of us were kind of like okay guys let's get it together let's figure it out let's play and let's win this game for Carly that's unbelievable and so you guys tie it 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 goes to overtime you guys win it in overtime and you're going back to the national championship game what was the celebration like like did you feel like you dodged a bullet or were you just already thinking about the national championship game for me i definitely think it was a we dug ourselves a hole but we uh we definitely knew how to climb out of it and for unique truder that was that was definitely a big one uh, i know she was playing with a broken hand so for her to just pull off that one timer in overtime was just was just unreal and just the cell just the celebration on the ice from everyone you could just feel feel how excited you could feel feel it in the fans in the in the rink just the energy it's it's crazy like watching you guys from a distance like you, you know you think like uh, liberty hockey they got all that we got maddie's hoisting the cup with a dislocated shoulder truders burying overtime winners with a broken hand like you got some warriors over there so you get to the national championship game and i feel like we we gotta battles i'm gonna throw it over to you first because i i don't want maddie to have to talk about herself just quite yet the big talk was like oh my gosh like maddie glenn five goals all regular season she ends up getting three in the national championship. Like, what was the reaction from the girls in the in the dressing room when she got her third goal? Everyone's reactions were just awesome. I remember remember uh, the bus drive in that morning. Maddie had said how she had never scored a hat trick in her life. For her to go out there and and score three, and actually me being on the ice for her third goal, me being right there was just unreal. Being able to celebrate with her and. And see how excited she was when she saw those hats on the ice. It was it, I could feel feel it in me just as I know she could feel it in her. It was awesome. After the game and like the the chaos of the hatcher, because there was actually a decent amount of hats thrown on the ice. I was impressed by that. Well, I think it was because all the handy children had thrown their hats on the ice. Maddie, I saw you after the game. Like you you were talking with, with Coach Handy and the handy kids. Like how cool is it to have like those guys all around the rink? Yeah, those four boys are kind of like my adopted little brothers. The start of the year this year, me and like Adam, Carl and Glover were moving into a townhouse and our townhouse wasn't ready yet. So the four of us stayed in the like in-law ensuite above Kirk Handy's garage. We lived with those little boys for about two months. And they kind of just became like little brothers to me. And funny story about Haley talking about the hat trick is that morning in the breakfast room, Porter, the youngest one, comes up to me and he's like, I think you're going to score a hat trick today. And I was like, dude, you're crazy. Like, I'm a defenseman. Like, I've never done that before. Like, blah, blah, blah. So he went up to my mom in that breakfast room. and He was like, I think Maddie's going to score a hat trick. If she scores a hat trick, I'm throwing my hat on the ice. And my mom goes, dude, it's not happening. If she does it, I'll give you 20 bucks. He goes up to my mom after my first goal. And he was like giddy and smiling. And then 
after the second one, he comes back. He's like, I think it's happening. And my mom goes, after that third goal, he comes back and goes, I got my hat back. And my mom goes, yeah, here's your 20 bucks. I'm like, how did you bet on me scoring a hat trick? And it actually happened. That's unbelievable. I could just like see, like we were hanging out in the tunnel because obviously Herm was taking the photos. We were getting everything on social media and just like, I could see that there was like this chaos. Like you were talking to the boys and and coach Handy was right there laughing and I, I could tell there was something special going on. But the fact that he had predicted it earlier in the day just makes it that much more special. You guys squeak out another national championship back to back. Like what was, what was the feeling like? I feel like there was a lot of family there. It was cool seeing all the, the Liberty sweaters in the stands with, with your last names on them. Like what was that like to get to share that moment with your families afterwards? I know you guys like went down to the lobby afterwards. It feels like they kicked you guys off the ice pretty quickly there afterwards, but what was it like getting to celebrate with your families in the lobby? For me, it was a really neat, uh, neat experience. My mom and dad are both there. My mom has been living in Hawaii for the past year uh, with a government job. So that was really nice to see her and have her there supporting me. And just my dad, it, it felt like just like at home. Not only that, just everyone else's families, all the families intermingling and just everyone hanging out. And then we all ended up going to P.F. Chang's after and hanging out there. And it was it was just awesome all of it. I got, I got, I just got a kick. Like you look at all the photos and, and you guys in your sneakers running around the lobby with full, full equipment, Maddie, have, have you ever experienced anything like that? No, not usually. Usually I'll still have skates on if I'm going somewhere, but no, we were like, okay, hey guys, we're taking the skates off, running around in socks and sneakers and slides. Awesome stuff. Well, Hey, I think we've, we've talked about coach Lowe's a couple of times, but Got a message from him after the fact, like was was talking about how much you guys had been through to get to that point. Talk about like the impact that he's just had on, on, on Liberty Hockey. Battles, I'll throw to you first because you, you met him before Maddie did, but like what kind of coach is he in the room? Um, I, I just love his energy. You know, he, he's always very truthful. He always just kind of lays it out on the line, tells you exactly what you need to do. It's very straightforward. He's always very serious, but, but knows how to joke around when there's nothing going on. Just to, just to have him as a coach, you know, uh, my dad was a, a big mentor to me and, uh, Lowe's, Lowe's kind of just reminds me of him. So just that home feeling, just everything that Liberty has given me so far has, has just been awesome. Maddie, what about for you? Is there a certain Coach Lowe's memory that you have that you think would be worth sharing? I'll point out the fact that when we won that game in overtime against Adrian in that semifinal, um, our media guy, Pat, said it on our Rock the Rink podcast we have at our school that he has never seen Coach Lowe's get that excited for winning the game. Like he jumped probably two feet off the bench. Like, I don't know how he didn't like roll an ankle or something. One thing about like Coach Lowe's that like stands out to me a lot is that he's very personable. Like he cares about you as a player, as a student, as an athlete, but he like cares about you more than just like your stats and such like that. Yeah, that's all. I mean, he seems like a great guy from the from the few interactions we've had with him. Wrapping it up here, like, what are you guys looking forward to most next season? I mean, you've you've played two years in the ACHA. You've already won two national championships. Like, what is is the mindset same thing as last year? Like, you got to repeat the title. Like, what are you looking forward to next year? Battles. Uh, we know we we have a good group of girls coming in, so that's really exciting just to get them in in August and just to all get on the ice and start getting our touches in. Um, I'm most looking forward to the road trips. You know, those are always fun. Just the relationships that I, that you gain from from everything, and just kind of our game plan is is always the same. You know, kind of just you know keep your head down and just kind of keep going and just 
stay quiet and just do play your game and that's all you can do. Maddie, what about you? What's something you're looking forward towards? I mean, I'm really excited to go back to school and like reconnect with everybody. I feel like it's been too long since I've seen everybody on our team. What I'm most looking forward to this season is when we're hosting conference championships because we've never, well, I mean, I've only been there for two years, but I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Liberty has ever hosted a conference tournament. So I think that's going to be really fun to have all those teams there. And even like our men's team is going to be there as well. So it'll be Super nice to have it at home and have all our friends from school and such be there to support us. That was something that I did notice. I had no idea that you guys had to crash at the Handy household for a little bit, but it seemed like there was just kind of like one big Liberty hockey family. Like you had guys hanging out, watching your games. You guys were going to their games. Like, is that the, just like a camaraderie being at the Liberty campus? Like I know club sports are a lot bigger of a deal at Liberty than most schools. Are all the teams pretty close on campus, especially the hockey teams? Yeah, I do think so. Like our hockey teams are really close like us. And the men's D1 teams, I mean, our locker rooms are an eight foot hallway apart. So we kind of interact with each other all the time. We share the same AT room and such like that. Having nationals at the same time as them was like a super cool experience, being able to like support them, have them support us. And then our D2 team, we went and watched one of their games. They were at one of ours. Our teams are always close knit together this year more than our freshman year. And I think that just had to do with, I mean, more of us like reaching out and connecting and becoming friends with all of them. But it's just super nice to have that support from our hockey teams. And we have support from other teams, such as like our lacrosse teams or the volleyball and stuff like that. Thank you so much for joining us. But before we go, I want to give you guys like the opportunity to thank anybody in in your hockey careers. So battles, I'll throw it over to you first. Like anybody you want to give a shout out to before you go? Uh, For me, I think it was just my parents. I feel like I feel like that's everyone. But you know, I feel like they always just put everything they can uh, into you and into the things that you love. And and those, you know, those 7am practices. It's it's kind of funny. Uh, My mom would be rushing me rushing me to my practices and she'd be putting my skates on the wrong feet. And it's fun memories just growing up. Maddie, what about for you? Who, Who do you want to give a shout out to? Uh, definitely my family as well, along with like my parents, my brother, and then my grandparents as well, because they have just always been there for me. They, I mean, my family is super close. We only live about seven minutes apart. My whole family has just been there for me, taking me to spring hockey, rushed me from spring hockey to ball practice, back to spring hockey and such like that. So I wouldn't be where I am without my family. So. Love it. Well, we hope they all listen to this one. That'd be, that'd get us a couple more followers on this thing. If we could get your, your families listening to it. So we hope they tune in, but awesome job. Thank you guys so much and wish you guys the best of luck. Hope to see you guys in St. Louis in the spring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you to Maddie and Haley for joining the show. Awesome insight on how their program operates. I think a lot of people are wondering how the sauce is made at Liberty. How are they so dominant in year after year getting it done in the national tournament? Of course, Maddie showed us how it's done in the national championship. She got a hat trick, which was really cool to see. And, and honestly, just witnessed that and be in the stands in Marlboro when that happened was was a really cool moment. We'll keep up the stick taps here. We, we usually do this before the interview, but we'll go get them now. Wanted to congratulate former West Virginia head coach Shane Buckley after five seasons behind the bench for the Mountaineers for his head coach. Buckley is heading back to his alma mater, Northland College, in the NCAA Division Three ranks to be their next head coach. With Buckley at the helm, the Mountaineers improved the record each year under his leadership culminating in the program's first winning season in nearly a decade during the 2022-23 season. He played at Northland 
from 2009 to 2013. As much as we love to, to be rivals with NCAA Division Three, it is really cool to see a coach like Buckley use his time at the ACHA level to continue to progress and then head back to his alma mater, which I'm sure was a dream job for him. It sounds like he had a really good experience at Northland. Now he's going back there to lead the team, and, and we love seeing a coach progress his way through the college hockey ranks. So wanted to give him stick taps for that. Wanted to give stick taps to our guy Christian Sow. This one had been sitting in the Hockey House archives for a while and made its way onto the feed. Video clip from Connecticut College and gets his ear sliced from a stick. And then he uh, he hits a kid and it's a pretty soft hit, but he gets thrown out for it. I don't know. I couldn't tell from the video if he got thrown out for the hit or if they threw him out because he was bleeding, but he gets tossed packed house at con college and he's just pumping up the crowd on his way off the ice like a legend. So I want to give him stick taps for that unreal clip. I want to give a shout out to Danny Zock of Roosevelt hockey. He repped the ACHA at a meet and greet with Connor Bedard rocking the Roosevelt sweater, clean sweater too. Those are awesome with the green and the black and getting a picture with Bedard. I'm sure everybody in Chicago is just going nuts right now. So way to capitalize on that ACHA to the show. Also want to give a shout out to Tyler LaFollette, former Adrian equipment manager. He was also a hockey house all-star back in the day. We, the team needed an equipment manager and he stepped up to be it. Herm, what, what was he doing today? So he's going to be caddying for Ilhi Lee at the Greater Toledo LPGA Classic. After graduation, Ty's been doing a ton of caddying work and really embedding himself in the Michigan NHL circle. And he's been caddying for some former NHLers. There's a purse of a, a mill and three quarters for the tournament. If she goes the distance, maybe we get a little bit of live coverage from, from Toledo. It'll it'll be solid, and we're rooting for our boy Ty. Awesome stuff. Love hearing from Ty. Wanted to mention, we've got a couple other announcements. The TCHC Recruitment Showcase is happening Friday, July 14th through Sunday, July 16th at the Children's Health Star Center, Farmer's Branch, just outside of Dallas, in attendance, Baylor, TCU, North Texas, SMU, Texas A&M, Texas, Texas State, ETBU. Thank you so much for SMU for swiping up on the story and letting us know that this is going on. Totally would have missed this if it weren't for you guys. Always love seeing these recruitment showcases, especially in a place like Texas where not only there's so many schools to choose from, but getting those players in front of these college coaches is going to be a really cool opportunity. Had some movement in AAU this week. New Haven is making the jump from AAU Division Three to Division Two. The Chargers made some noise in the Division Three national tourney. I remember watching them against Tampa. Felt like they only had 13 skaters, and they were just battling, blocking shots, making plays, hanging around with the best of them. So they're going to do just fine in AAU Division Two in this upcoming year. And then no surprise here, Georgia is adding a AAU Division Three team. We saw Bama, when Bama made the jump to AAU Division One. they added a Division Three team. Looks like Georgia is taking notes here, so that'll be good to keep that rivalry going in College Hockey South Division Three. We've got some goalie openings. The last couple of shows we've had coach openings. We've got goalie openings, some teams in need of goaltenders. So Coach Ergo Stevenson is looking for one in ACHA Division Two, and then Cal out west is also looking for a goalie in ACHA men's division two cal i feel like that's a tough that might be a tough school to get into this late i don't know about that one but they're they're still looking for a goalie for next year so maybe if you're listening you're going there and, and you got some pads bring them because they're going to need an extra goalie this year turn i'll toss it over to you for call your shot sure friend of the pod joe kramer says fire take the acha goes at least 500 versus ncaa opponents this season so we've got the two canadian matchups which 
It will be tough. I think I, I honestly think our best bet, Simon Frazier is good too. So those are going to be really tough games. You had the two Canada games. You got Minot State playing Colorado College and Denver. You got brain is just blinking. There's just so much club hockey content going on in my mind right now. You got Grand Valley State taking on Ferris State. U of A, Arizona taking on Arizona State. That's the matchup I was looking for. We still got it. It was either Fitz or Colin. We're going to need a couple more ACHA versus NCAA Division Three matchups to get to this 500 mark because there are some, some tall tasks ahead of the ACHA this upcoming season. Wanted to pour one out for my homies in the CSCHL. I, we, I feel like we've brought up the, the Bobcats again, another Bobcat episode. They released their schedule. Somebody replied to the tweet, what happened to Iowa State, Illinois, and the CSCHL? Herm, you're the statistician behind the Ohio Bobcat records. It's got to be ages the last time that there was a schedule put out where Ohio didn't have any matchups against Iowa State, Illinois, Lindenwood, and Roosevelt all missing. As the unofficial curator with Sean Hogan of the Ohio Hockey History Spreadsheet, I actually did my digging to see the last time that Ohio was an independent team. This is the first time since the 1992-93 season that the Bobcats will not be a part of a division. And Harks talked about in the interview last week, the glory days of the CSCHL when Lindenwood was hot, Iowa State was hot, Illinois was hot. You had Robert Morris was a very good team. They transitioned to Roosevelt, lost some steam there, and of course the Bobcats. But what a great conference. And just, you know, with Lindenwood going NCAA, the downfall of Illinois, Roosevelt leaving for the GEL the GC, the Great Lakes League, right? Let's just call it that for the time being. It's getting late. Question of the week here. Put this up on Twitter. Got some really good reactions. Classic internet. Everybody who hated it commented their opinion. Everybody who loved it gave it the retweet, the the shares. A lot of teams in the ACHA and AAU college hockey were rocking the white shells. You Mary has made them kind of iconic in the ACHA. They've been wearing them since their inception couple years ago you had verbero who outfitted georgia tech and florida state in white shells then you had unc rocking the white shells in the outdoor game etbu's been rocking the white shells for a while want to get your take fitzy i'll, I'll throw it over to you first you got some style takes how do you feel about white shells i love it i'm uh i'm all in on that kind of like changing up the game kind of stuff i think it's different I, you got to do it right so like you got to have the the right combinations going with it like you might need to get a, a second colored helmet going with it or something like that um i also think it would have been sick if we had some uh some cream uh shells back when i was back at uh indiana that, that'd be pretty sick yeah that's how i i kind of feel about it i almost put it in the white glove category like not every team can pull off the white gloves but the teams who do it it looks good and i think ETBU really pulls off the white shell look and I feel bad I didn't give them some love on the on the Instagram post today because I forgot that they wore the white shells and then you know for the special event games like you had Georgia Tech they did the white shells for the Savannah Classic and then you had UNC doing the white shells for their outdoor game I feel like that that looks cool too Herm what's your take on it I'm in favor of it when it's ETBU uh, and it's their jerseys with the white shells with the script tigers. I, I think it's a contender for one of the best jerseys in all of club hockey. Please send me one. I would rock the hell out of that. I think it looks good with the light blue too because they they have the balance of the white helmets 
with the white shoulder yokes and the white shells. I think that's a really good look too. Collins, the white shell, I feel like the white shells got their debut in Maryland, right? When the Leafs came to Annapolis for the outdoor game against the Caps, right? That was kind of, they had the white shells in the stadium series. And then you saw Michigan wear them at Notre Dame. What are your thoughts on the white shells? I personally believe that the white shell, when done right, is all time. However, you got to have a white helmet, gloves with a solid amount of white in them. And I'm sorry if I'm going to piss off any Florida State guys, but you can't just slap a white shell with a maroon jersey and just think that's okay. Like if you're going to wear white shells, you got to be willing to do the ice out. You got to be willing to go all out and just wear all white, white Reebok pumps. The thing I love about the Florida State ones, though, is Verbero outfitted them with the white shells for the Savannah Classic. And maybe maybe they didn't have shells before that, but it looks like they played in the Savannah Classic. They were like, guys, we should just wear these white shells for the rest of the year. Because if you look at the photos, they're just like wearing white Verbero shells with their Rebirth jerseys that they regularly wore. So like Fitzy said, I, I think I'm all for the creativity. Like... You know, every team, sometimes a lot of teams look the same. And, you know, there's only so many times you can just have navy pants or black pants. But the white breezers, I, I think it makes it interesting. The, the TikTok sound, like, add a little bit of spice, you know? My freshman year, we j- we only had the two jerseys, so you always knew what you were wearing. But now that we've got a lot in the closet at Syracuse, I always loved when the coaching staff, because we had the thirds, but sometimes depending on the team, like we might wear orange at home and it was always just cool pulling up to the rink and you know, they, they unbox the Jersey bin and it's like, Oh, that we're wearing the alternates today. Like, let's go. Like that was just always like, so, so pumped when you, when you go to the locker room, expect to wear one Jersey and you see another. So that's all, that's always good. But yeah, I love, love when the players get to pick too. Let's get some, let's get some odd shell combinations in there too. And you married too. They got the orange breezers as well. So they love to mix and match, but Herm, let's, uh, let's start picking up the pucks. What do you got for us this week? So I had to do a little bit of a double take when I was announcing the news for the Comet signing, uh, saw that we signed Ryan Fitzgerald and was like, huh? Not our Ryan Fitzgerald. It happens to be the son of Tom Fitzgerald, who is the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. It was a big week for uh, Devils-affiliated signings as uh, Jeremy Brodeur, son of Marty Brodeur, also got a Utica Comets contract. So you're not going to believe this, but my dad's name is also Tom. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that that Ryan Fitzgerald also has a a brother named Brendan, and I also have a brother named Brendan. It's crazy. doesn't make sense. We're living in a simulation. Command C, Command V. Fitzy, what do you got for us this week? If that's the case, I should be I should be in the NHL, Murph. What the hell? <laughs> I've, I'm in. The, I've been on the market for new skates. I've run into that these prices are just ridiculous. Like I, hockey's always been an expensive sport. I've known that, but it just keeps going up and up. The the new Hyperlite two skates, thousand plus dollars. These sticks are getting up there northwards of four hundred plus. I'm not a manufacturer or anything, but I know that there's costs and and whatnot. But that's it just makes it really hard for kids to to play the game other games like basketball you just you need a ball and some shoes you can go play like they, they got to find a way to make that more feasible for for players because that's that's hard for a lot of families to do that you should uh you should send kickball dad a dm didn't bauer just send him a free pair of skates maybe he's got an extra one lying around you know i got a beef with that guy <laughs> 
<laughs> he gets invited to the hyperlight tube, whatever. He gets the the trial run, the unveiling. He gets to wear them, and he, he doesn't. Even, he's kickball daddy. He doesn't play. He doesn't play hockey. He plays kickball. Send him kickball stuff. I'll take a look through the STX warehouse for you. See if we got any any sticks laying around. And <laughs> yeah, Collins, you should just be able to like sign something that just makes Fitzy an STX hockey athlete. Imagine they're like. <laughs> When did we sign this guy in the SP? And you're just like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He makes funny TikToks about the Acha, and he's a he gets he gets after people on Instagram in the comments. He's cool. <laughs> Collins, what, what do you got this week? Spending four to five days in Delaware over you know the course of a week—that is far too much time to be spending in the state of Delaware. Maybe like if like excluding like Rehoboth and Dewey and like the beaches, it's so mind numbingly and just painfully boring. There's nothing to do in that state. I don't know how the Udell boys do it. It is tough out there, man. It is tough in Delaware. It's just farm, lacrosse field, farm, beach. Dang, coming for the Blue Hens this week. Hey, that's there. There are one of our rivals. Big football rivalries. Battle of the Blue. There we go. My picking up pucks this week is high school hockey. I got to, well, when I was home, I we got to hang out. It was all seven of the guys from the class of 2018. Played four years of high school hockey together. You know, whatever it was, 10 plus years of youth hockey together. It's the first time we were all in the same room together, probably since high, high school graduation, which was really cool. We've all just been really busy doing different things, but... One of our buddies just got out of the Navy, so having him around, having everybody home for the 4th of July break was really good and getting to see everybody. But just like there's nothing better than just reminiscing about the glory days of high school hockey. Fitzy, I'm sure you can relate to this. You were a high school hockey hero. There's just nothing better than than meeting up with the old gang. Yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll go in the camera roll and, and look at some old videos of the uh, all the students chanting your name or something when you're on the ice. That's something that you you'll never get even if you no matter how le- how high a level you play that's something special for sure and it's a shame too because it's not the same it's not like that everywhere like there's pl- you go to plenty of high school games around the country and and you know there's just a couple parents there but for for the guys who get to play at high schools that go crazy like that it's there's nothing better like couldn't wouldn't even consider you know playing juniors at that point because it was all just like high school hockey was was the dream at that point so always nice to touch base with those guys and uh connect with them but what an episode i feel like we hit a lot we hit a lot of topics tonight we're losing our marbles slowly but surely but a tuesday recording herm's gonna got plenty of time to edit this one but as always thank you for joining in i'm just gonna keep saying it for the next couple weeks but we've got some really exciting things planned and we can't wait to, to tell you guys more about it can't wait to give you guys some more interviews and we're getting there Everyone's releasing schedules. Hockey season is going to be here before you know it. We're, we're over the 4th of July hump here. We can almost set ourselves in cruise control before the season starts. But once again, thank you for joining us. Follow us along at Hockey House Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, threads. We're on threads now, too. Jump on the train, Instagram threads. Find us at Hockey House Pod, and we'll see you next week. See you, boys.